Welcome to Rework, a podcast by Basecamp about the better way to work and run your business. I'm Sean Hildner. And I'm Waylon Wong. And this week, we're talking about performance reviews. I think everyone's blood pressure just spiked hearing that. I know mine did. We actually do pretty typical performance reviews here at Basecamp. Every six months or so, we get a list of open-ended questions to answer about our work, and then we sit down with a manager to discuss. I think a lot of companies do formal reviews like that. But we also have other ways of getting and giving feedback. For instance, our designers have pretty regular and informal reviews of what they're working on. We'll hear from one of our designers about this process a little later on in the episode. But first, I talked to Rachel Ernst. She heads up HR at a company called Reflective that makes software for performance reviews and also gathering and sharing other kinds of feedback. Because I think what we're talking about is the bigger question of how is feedback given in the workplace? A lot of times it's done poorly, and that's why there's so much anxiety around performance reviews. If the culture around feedback is kind of broken at a company, feedback becomes a really stressful thing instead of a helpful thing. We wanted to talk about how to make feedback better. So here's my conversation with Rachel. My name is Rachel Ernst. I'm the VP of Employee Success, and I oversee HR recruiting and facilities. Like so many of us, Rachel has her own story about a bad performance review. I think I had been there for maybe two months, and the way that my manager started my conversation was, what did I ask you to do last quarter? <laughs> it's very, right? <laughs> good sign, <laughs> and, and, good sign. Right. Immediately you're on the defensive. Oh gosh, now, I, and, and like you said, now I'm very nervous. This is my first review. I was, you know, in my late 20s. Um, and it, it's, um, yeah, it feels scary and I wasn't prepared for it. And then I sit, have to sit and have this conversation with, with somebody that clearly I had missed the mark um, you know, and I could tell that from having that, um, answering that question. In September, Reflective held a contest to find the worst performance review story. It put out a call on its website and via social media, and it published the winners on its blog. We got an actress to read the winning entry. Uh, so I went in for my 30-day review, excited about all I'd been able to do in a newly created position. I was told that I hadn't done anything they had wanted me to do, even after he admitted that they hadn't actually decided what they wanted to measure the position on. They just knew I hadn't done it. I had been meeting with my supervisor for a one-on-one every week, and he had never said anything. I upped my documentation, reporting, project management, asked for more feedback and clearer expectations, only to sit down at my six-month review and get told a similar story. My work was exemplary, but it wasn't what they wanted. I left that company, and the person after me lasted six months, too. Can you talk about just, like, the scope of the entries you got? Any big surprises in there? Did you find that most of them kind of fell along these general themes you identified as being problem areas for performance reviews? You know, I'd say they they generally do. What's interesting, um, you know, to start off with, what I notice is that some people are talking about a performance review and some people are just talking about some um, negative feedback they got. And so it's just interesting that when you even pose this out there, um, the idea of a bad conversation with your manager is so, it really resonates with people and you get a lot of comments about that. The problem wasn't uh, hearing the constructive feedback. It was, I don't understand what I should be doing differently and I don't know specifically what I did that wasn't good. So people actually 
value and they want to know how they can get better, but it's the manner in which it's given to them by mm-hmm. their manager. A lot of times, um, that is the issue. They'll give, um, general generalizations in their feedback, but not give examples to help employees understand what specifically they're talking about. And that's where that disparity will happen. Do you find that a lot of these issues, do they stem from managers not being given enough training? Or is it in the structure Um, of performance reviews? (laughs) I think it's in a few ways. Um, But I I think, honestly, it's it's even broader than that. I would say a lot of these issues is that it's not really valued in an organization for a manager to be spending time on on with their employees and helping their employees to grow. I think a lot of times companies will say that they do it, but it's a little bit more lip service. I think it comes from uh, the highest leader setting the example. A lot of times if I was coaching a leader and I you know, say you need to be spending time on this, a lot of times they'll say to me or our customers, well, yeah, that's fine and good, but my manager doesn't actually do that for me. So if they're not setting the examples, why do I have the motivation to do that for my employees? Yeah. Do you find also that maybe there's a mismatch in goals? Like if the employee is looking to get out of their job a sense of satisfaction, a sense of Mm -hmm. a job well done, a sense of professional development that they're building new skills. um, And let's say there's a manager who is just has a boss breathing down their neck about numbers Mm -hmm. or something really kind of soulless and um, stressful. Does that also create this fundamental tension because they're actually not working towards the same thing? I do think that 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 is definitely an issue because what's top of mind for a CEO, obviously, is is the is a company doing well. What they miss, though, is the the how of how how that's being done. Um, And that's where the employees needs come in. So we actually, I just came from training um, our employees on how to write a good self-reflection. One of the things that we have in our reviews that I think everybody should be thinking about is, is this question, what are the responsibilities of this particular employee and how are they doing relative to them? Because that will get out some of these, this divide I expect my employee to be, you know, hitting these particular numbers or hiring this many people, bringing in this many deals. And the employee is thinking differently. Uh, You know, my goals are to grow myself and learn these new things. Um, And they need to have that conversation to come together around what are the actual expectations and how are you measuring those things for me? I think one thing that we talk about a lot at um, Basecamp is um, this idea of staying independent because, you know, as you take, let's say, outside investment that comes with a whole host of external pressures, kind of one thing that often comes along with um, raising outside capital is that you now have um, investors coming in who have growth targets that they need Mm, the company mm -hmm. to hit. And Mm -hmm. those growth targets might not always be um, you know, they, they might not always be compatible with maybe like uh, some of the core work that a company wants to be doing. Um, and, you know, I noticed that Reflective itself has raised quite a bit of money, you know. Um, and I was just curious whether um, you on the management level, kind of on the executive leader level, have um, had to um, kind of be wary of some of um, those pressures as well, kind of within your organization. 
you know, there is the focus on growth and that's why we would raise funding because we want to grow. And I think the, the conversation that it tends to be is, um, how do you want to grow? Where do you want to grow? What are the new products that you, that we should be building in order to get there? Um, and, uh, you know, I would say here, what's, what's, uh, what's great about what I've seen from reflective is there, there isn't this, we must grow by 800 employees this year. Um, there's a very, there's a mindfulness that happens with our growth strategy and partnership with our investors that, that make sure that, um, we obviously are growing, but we're growing in the, in the best possible way. So we're not, we don't uh, hire too many people and then have to let them go mm-hmm. or we build too many products, but they're not at a highest quality. So there's a lot of, I guess I would just use the word integrity. Yeah. I kind of feel that within the organization that we need to grow quickly, but we need to do it in a, in a mindful way. I guess that's good because our name is reflective. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we fret- we reflect quite a bit on, on the best way to grow our company. Um, and how do you do performance reviews at Reflective? Are you doing quarterly ones? We are doing quarterly ones. Yeah. It's, um, it's funny because I, I have a belief that you should have a stance on, on how you do it and also be open to changing it to make sure that it's hitting um, – the goal of quality conversations. So we do do quality conversation or quarterly conversations, um, with our employees and our managers, um, on a fairly regular basis, either weekly or biweekly people are meeting with their managers and having conversations. We don't do a company wide program of three sixties yet. I do think that that is valuable, but I think that it, it needs to happen at the right time and right size of an organization. And I think that if you're working regularly enough with people in a smaller company, you should be able to have those conversations um, naturally. But as a company grows, that kind of feedback is important. A different program will work well, you know, one year, but then we need to relook at it again the following year. We've grown so much that Mm -hmm. we're actually revising the way we're doing it now. And I feel like so much of the conversation around performance reviews, especially bad ones, focuses on the the managers. Like, oh, my manager behaved in this crappy way or my manager was a real jerk, et cetera, et cetera, Um, which in, in a lot of ways I think makes sense because that's kind of the power dynamic you have to be mindful of. But are there things that employees could be doing, like rank and file employees could be doing? to make their performance reviews go more smoothly? I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes, it is on you, employees, to be preparing for these conversations and your self-assessments matter because you've taken the time to prepare for a quality conversation. So I absolutely think that the employees um, have a voice in this. And and some of the things I saw in this this contest that, um, that we launched here and the submissions that we got, there is a little bit of that I would coach the employee on, okay, what, what can you take responsibility for in this complaint that you have? Is there any, you know, even 10% of this that you could own that you could do differently here? Um, self-reflection is always the hardest, right? (laughs) It's hard. It's hard to look at yourself in the mirror, you know, and really, really look at that. And then a lot of, responsibility is placed on the manager and most companies just train the managers, but this is why we do the, uh, you know, a manager training and an employee training because it's a two-way street and you both should be thinking about this and preparing to have a good quality conversation. One of the things that, that they may do, and again, I see this in here, they'll say, you know, I asked for feedback. A lot of times that's how am I doing? Mm -hmm. And 
if you want to get specific feedback, you have to ask a specific question because the answer is only as good as the question that you pose. So it's important to help employees understand about how, how to ask for feedback and what good questions there are. Um, so we, we try to coach our employees on that and we have that in our tool too. What can I do that to make something 10% better? Um, what's one thing I can do to improve my presentation skills? So being very specific in your ask will give you specific feedback. Like we said at the top of the show, one of the types of feedbacks we give at Basecamp is a design review where Jason or Ryan, our head of product strategy, will go over a new feature or a work in progress with the designer who's in charge of it. I talked to one of our lead designers about how that process works and how it's different from other places he's worked. Yeah, I'm Connor, and I'm a designer at Basecamp, uh, currently working on our iOS app. I was wondering if you could just give an overview of how design reviews work here. There's, they're not very formal, first off. Um, like at previous jobs, there was a much more involved thing with a bunch of people in a room, and it felt intense. Um, at Basecamp, it's, they're never really scheduled or necessarily expected even. It's not a requirement for shipping a feature or a product uh, update or anything like that. Um, but how it usually happen is either Jason will ping me or I'll ping him, and he'll be either asking me, hey, like, how's that thing you're working on? It would be cool to take a look at it sometime. Or I'll ping him and say, hey, I've got this thing I'm working on. Good to get some feedback from you. So that's kind of how it starts. And then we say, okay, yeah, let's do it in 10 minutes or whatever. So it's usually off the cuff. There's not, uh, there's no like presentation or plan for like how I'm going to show him the work or anything like that. And then we basically just hop on Skype and I share my screen and then I'll start clicking through and talking about it. And he'll just kind of offer thoughts that come to his mind as we go. And I usually just have like a notebook or something out and I, take down notes about things that come up and sometimes we'll debate stuff or riff on an idea in more depth. It doesn't feel like a design review to me. Um, whereas like a design review sounds like a formal thing. It's much less of a, of a, of a review feeling and it's because review kind of has this, I don't know, connotation that you're like being evaluated um, or like judged or something like that, which I think is often the case with design reviews and not a good part of them. Um, whereas when I'm meeting with Jason or, or Ryan um, to look at a feature or something like that that I'm working on, it feels much more like I'm getting their insight, advice, um, their reaction, just to kind of get a sense of whether this is going the right way or not, that kind of thing. And often like, hey, I'm stuck on this one thing. Like, what do you think about this? I'll, I'll often, in that five, 10 minutes before, I'll often write down a few questions that I might have. Like, hey, is it, this feels kind of funky to me. Like, what do you think? One really important part of them, I think, is that uh, – there's a, a clear understanding that this is not a – anything that Jason says is not a mandate for what I have to do in response. So it's feedback and I can chuck as much of it as I want or take as much as it I want and it's usually a mixture of the two. Was that something that was made explicit to you or was it something that you figured out gradually by absorbing the culture around feedback and design feedback here? Yeah, I mean, uh, both. It was explicit. Jason like made it pretty clear when I started, like, hey, man, I'm the boss. And that's has some downsides when we're doing feedback because it can feel like I'm telling you what to do or what I say might have more weight than it's meant to have. So Jason told me up front, like, if I ever – I'm requiring something or like overriding a decision that you've made or anything like that, like I will be 
really clear that like, hey, I'm making the call here and this is not this is the way it's going to be. I've yet to have that experience. Um, so so he said that, which is helpful. Um, but I've had other people say say similar things in previous jobs, and it wasn't actually so much that way. So um, so then what's been even more useful is over time seeing that when I choose to go a different direction than what Jason might have suggested or I try out an idea that he had and decide it didn't shape up, um, that there's no like repercussions or problems or you know he doesn't hound me about it or keep asking why I didn't do it that way or something like that. When you were hired, were you given a sense of how the design reviews would go? Did Jason say, oh, you know, every once in a while, I'll just ping you, or if you have something you want to show me, feel free to ping me, or did it happen just a little bit more organically? Yeah, uh, probably fairly organically. One thing that's nice is when I started, Jason likes to, particularly with the designers, like work a little more closely in the first few months or six months or whatever. Um, and we were working on the beginning of a new product at the time, Basecamp 3. So it was a really small team and we were, you know, really collaborating on it. So it just kind of was probably every few days we'd look at stuff together and just do that. And part of that was um, just to kind of mentor me in the Basecamp way of how we design things because it's different than a lot of other companies do. So having that kind of, uh, yeah, that few first few months be – a lot of back and forth time was helpful, and then over time, it's become less and less. And, and it's, you know, it's kind of one of our um, descriptions of the different levels of the designers is like the level of uh, review that's required, if you will. And at the, at the lower end, it's you know required really ish. Like again, it's not formal, it's not scheduled, it's not a checklist that needs to happen, but it it will happen more often. And as you you know gain experience and uh, learn the ways, if you will, then it's less and less so. And it's more just like, hey, I'd like to get your take on this or what your thoughts on this, that kind of thing. And you had mentioned that sometimes they happen as quickly as in 10 minutes from when that first notification or first message comes in. Is that really different than in previous jobs? In previous jobs, would they be scheduled and on some kind of shared calendar, that kind of thing? Yeah, totally. So uh, like my last job, there was a uh, I think probably it was like every Friday or something like that, there would be like a design review meeting and it was in a big boardroom with a really long table and there would be the CEO of the company would come and um, product managers would be there and the development team and some other people who were a VP of something in product or a VP of that in programming. And um, the experience was generally like uh, – I mean, it's a bit of anxiety producing because you're making this, it feels more like you're making a presentation to a group of people. Um, and then the feedback felt much more like it often was like, uh, you'd often get stuck going back to like, why are we even doing this kind of questions was, would be where you would arrive. And then you just felt like every time you had one of these, it would just totally derail the project and set you back like two weeks. Um, and that would just happen like over and over again. So that, that was challenging. When you're the one that's initiating the meeting, uh, I probably shouldn't say meeting because meetings are enough them <laughs> out here, but when you're the one initiating the conversation saying, oh, I'd love uh, an extra set of eyes on this, when do you gauge, okay, this is the moment in time where I ask for that help? Um, and does that take a little bit of kind of trial and error or? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of bad at this, actually. So I wish I was better. Um, I have this kind of complex, I think, where, <laughs> where I think if I'm like, uh, 
I should, I should be like self-sufficient and I shouldn't need to like ask for help or feed. Like, I don't know. It's weird. So I, I think it's weird. I think it's really normal. <laughs> okay. So for me, it's not weird. So I, I kind of like try to, I try, I, for some reason, I like avoid them a lot of the time more than, or drag it out longer than I should before asking. Um, or like anytime I get a ping from Jason being like, Hey, like, I'd love to see what you're working on. Then I'm like, Oh, like, I really should have, I should have been the one doing this like three days ago, probably, you know, like that's usually a sign to me like, oh, I've waited too long to like get feedback. So, um, so when I am smart enough to, to do that in advance, it's, uh, you know, that's a good question. Usually, usually it's just that I had that nagging feeling like, oh, I should probably get someone's eyes on this before it gets too far down the line or something like that. I do think it's really tricky, though, especially at Basecamp, where there's such a premium placed on being a manager of one, as yeah. Jason and David are fond of saying. And I think especially for newer people, and you're not new anymore, and neither am I so much, but um, there can be a sense of, oh, well, if I ask for help, it means I'm not totally. managing myself yes, as I should be. Totally. <laughs> But you also don't want to get dinged for like, well, I dug myself into this huge hole. Right. And if I would have long. asked two weeks ago, we could have avoided this whole thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Totally. It's a weird It's a weird bounce that I don't feel like I've totally gotten yet. But hopefully with time, it's like, yeah, I have to remind myself that like these are always positive and it's always helpful. I've never like had one of these sessions and felt like, oh, Jason's like annoyed that I'm asking him or Ryan doesn't really want to help me. Like I always come away feeling like, Oh, this was great. I'm glad that I asked. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just, a. I need to like, uh, I should have myself, uh, I've thought, thought before like, Oh, I should just every week I should just ask myself on a given day. Like I should go and see, like, is there something I could get feedback on with this? And then just spend five, like, you know, 10 minutes, whatever. It doesn't need to be a long, usually these calls aren't long either. They're pretty short. So it's not uh, arduous to fit into my schedule or something. Have you um, kind of like learned some things about how to give feedback via being the person receiving feedback? Ryan, I think, is actually kind of a master of these sessions. Um, he's just really good at asking questions that uh, he's very inquisitive, you know? Uh, he And he gen- Ryan just generally really likes to understand things and ask questions to, to get understanding and that usually ends up unlocking some valuable insights about like oh yeah I'm doing this but what I'm actually trying to do is that cutting to the heart of what you're actually trying to do and skipping some fluff that you've been work- wasting time on you know it sounds like excuse me like the inverse of the scenario you described earlier where at your old job you get into these kind of quasi philosophical conversations of like why are we doing this? And you would feel like it, everything was a big waste of time. But then when those conversations are done properly, then you feel like you're actually getting to the root of something important. Yeah, because like both Ryan and these like big boardroom meetings are end up asking this question of like, like what are we trying to do here kind of thing? But one <laughs> – one kind of felt like it was like, why are we even working on this? Which is like, like, what's the point of this again? Like, is this really worth it? Like that, those kinds of questions. And the other is just like trying to understand like what we're doing so that we can do the best version of that or so we can cut to the heart of it, you know, that kind of thing to have a standard to evaluate it by. Um, and it's, it's when it becomes like, why are we even like, is this worth it? That kind of, those kinds of questions when you're like, you asked me to work on this like a month ago. Like, why are we questioning this four weeks in? That, that's demoralizing. At your old jobs, were you ever in the position of giving feedback or being the reviewer? Do you have any tips about being in a position of the being the reviewer? It can be tempting to 
display your knowledge or design prowess or, you know, critical thinking skills. And I think uh, I just find it useful to stop and ask myself, like, am I sharing this to look smart or am I questioning this to show that I've thought about this more than the other person or something like that? Or um, is this something that I'm genuinely curious about in a question or am I just kind of asking it to try to poke a hole? Like, I think that's kind of the intentions behind questions or feedback is probably the biggest thing. I think most of us are not very good at actually hiding our intentions. And so usually those things come across that you're just being a jerk. <laughs> if you ask a question just to like poke a hole without actually saying, I don't think this is good because whatever, you're just like, but really, what if the whatever, you know, it's like, yeah. So that's my only, yeah, having good intentions, I think is uh, a pretty key part of feedback. So yeah, avoiding competition, um, stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's Which can be hard when you're, um, you know, working with a peer and you, especially if you're in front of a boss or something and you're like, you know, which one of us is top dog or whatever else, that can be a, a tempting thing to get in. And uh, sometimes other people are doing it. So you, <laughs> you know, you want to join in and get yourself in the ranking, if you will. So I think that can be a challenging thing. But, um, but ultimately, like the poor intentioned questions and comments usually are not going to help anything. They're just going to make someone feel bad. Rework is produced by Sean Hildner and me, Waylon Wong. Our theme music is Broken by Design by Clipart. Special thanks to Shana Schroten and Danny Finkhauser. You can find show notes for this and every episode of Rework on our website, rework.fm. You can also find us on Twitter at Rework Podcast. And if you want to get in touch with us the old-fashioned way, you can leave us a voicemail at 708-628-7850. Rework! (laughs) At our symphony concert on Sunday, we played this Vaughn Williams piece that the very end of it, um, well, the last movement has a soprano who sings, but off stage. Like there's stage directions that's like she's not meant to be visible to the audience. It's supposed to be this like far away kind of mournful singing, and like you're, you know, not supposed to really understand what's happening. It's supposed to be like a little surprise, mm-hmm. right? Like a sad surprise, I guess, to the audience. And so we had the soprano come in for the dress rehearsal. And our conductor is like, oh, okay, go stand over there. And so she's just like edging her way. Like, that sounds behind. like such a great dime store mystery novel. Something, <laughs> something and the, and the unseen soprano. And the unseen soprano. <laughs> and then we would like rehearse it. And then our conductor would be like, you know, it, it doesn't sound uh, mysterious enough. You know, he was like, uh, go back. And so she kept scooting back. And then he was like, can you get like behind the curtains? And so she kept scooting back until she was, like, in the corner of the stage behind these really heavy curtains. She's like, you hear her muffled voice, like, is this okay? And then our conductor would be like, <laughs> our conductor would be like, okay, let's try. And be like, I don't know. Like, just just go back behind those curtains. And then, like, the orchestra started laughing. And then he got really mad. He was like, it's not funny. <laughs> anyway, where were we? The outro. Some something is produced by a couple <laughs> folks. Rework is produced by Sean Hildner and me, Waylon Wong.